0: Jesus used parables in all of his teaching. In fact, Mark chapter 4, verse 34 says, Jesus did not teach his disciples without using parables. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It means he's going to use common everyday life, but he's going to have a tremendous spiritual life-changing impact that he's trying to communicate. 38 different parables Jesus tells, only five of them are recorded in, uh, in, the, in the Gospel of Mark. And of them... This one parable we're going to look at today, the parable of the soils, is mentioned in Mark, in Matthew, and in Luke. So it's an important parable, and I believe it may be the most important parable. Jesus spends more time talking about this parable than any other parable. There are three symbols you need to see in this parable. One is the the soil. The soil represents the heart of humanity, not the organ that pumps blood in our body. But this mystical middle inside of all of us that makes up everything that we are, the the eternal part of us, the part that involves our psyche and our mind and our heart, or excuse me, and and our body, everything coming together. But the second element that he uses is the element of the seed. The seed represents the word of God. So our heart receiving the Word of God. And the reason I say this is because in First Peter, it literally says that we were not born of imperishable seed. We were born again out of the living and abiding Word of God. That's in First Peter chapter 1, verse 23. That is the second element. The third element is the sower. Who's the farmer? The farmer is our Heavenly Father who's out sowing his seed. And as the seed is sown, it's received by some hearts. It is received by one of these four different hearts that we're going to talk about today. There's four different soils that represent the soils of our heart or the tenderness and the receptivity of our heart. The first one is the hardened soil. It's the soil that describes a heart that is impenetrable unwilling to receive the seed of the word of God. It is like a hardened path that's been trodden down, that nothing will grow there because nothing will penetrate the surface. Whenever you think about this path that I'm standing on right now, you've got to think about a, a road that has been beaten down, walked on, trampled on, driven on top of. This road is hard soil. You can throw seed on it all day long and the birds are going to come in and they're going to scoop it up before I even get off this road. They're going to be here that fast. Well, there is a hardened heart out there and some of the hardened hearted people just simply don't want to hear the things of God. You know them and I know them. You bring up spiritual topics, they don't want to talk. You want to talk about Jesus, they want to talk about the game. They want to talk about something else. Uh, The hardened heart are hard people to talk to But God loves the hardened-hearted people just like everyone else. When you think about a hardened-hearted person, they're probably not here today. They're probably not watching this. They're probably not listening to this on a podcast because they have no interest in it. But here's what we got to realize. The heart produces what the heart possesses. And if it doesn't possess any seed, then it will not produce the fruit of that seed. Then there is the shallow heart. It's the heart that none of us want to say we have, but many people have. It's the heart that, as Jesus says, receives the seed with gladness, with joy. But when the sun comes out, tribulations come, difficult days come, coronavirus comes, it burns up. And people are no longer walking in truth any longer. They are eaten alive by life and its circumstances. Again, if you read that whole passage in verse 16 and 17, it says these are the ones that sow on rocky ground. Rocky ground. And the ones that they hear the word and immediately, Uthus, receive it with joy. They may come in and hear a message and they receive it with excitement and joy and energy. And there's no roots in themselves. But they endure for a while. And then the tribulation and the persecution arises uh, uh, on the account of the word immediately fell. They fall away. I just want to encourage all of us to examine, am I a person who maybe goes to a Bible study? Maybe goes to church? Maybe I hear the word and I say, that was a good word. That was, that was fed me. That, that meant so much to me but then all of a sudden the coronavirus comes and we all of a sudden throw out our faith and we start living in fear. That's a great example of a person who has a shallow heart. If I am living in a state of fear in the midst of life, I might be shallow hearted. The third soul that he mentions is a crowded heart, a heart that is crowded with a lot of other things. If you look along this path, there is good soil and there is crowded soils with other bushes and other vegetation. Everything's growing up around it and they're all fighting for the same nutrients. They're all fighting for the same drops of water. They're all fighting for the same sunlight. And what will happen in our life is things will begin to crowd in around us and begin to take our attention begin to take our loyalty begin to take our priorities and they will crowd out the word of God whether it be our sports teams our fantasy leagues our traveling teams our busy corporate world that we live in things just crowd in and choke out the word of God to where no longer do we have time to spend with God no longer do we have the money to give generously to God no longer do we have uh, the energy Left And as as the scripture points out in verse 18 and 19, he literally mentions that it's the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Three different distractions. There's the emotional distractions of the cares of the world. How many people like this photo? How many people are following me? Did I get the promotion? Am I getting the praise from my supervisor that I want? So many things will drive us emotionally. Number two, increased wealth. He mentions the deceitfulness of riches. We start chasing after money and more and more money. Money's like salt water. The more you drink, the more you want to have. You can't ever get enough of it. And whenever you think about that, that leads right into the last distraction, luxuries in life. There's so many things that we want, we desire. He says, desire other things. Things become our little gods. Bob Beale said it like this, when you out, when your outgo exceeds your income, your upkeep will be your downfall. And so many times we get so many things in our lives and then our things own us. All of those are choking out the word and the work of God in us. The heart will only produce what it possesses. What does your heart possess? The fourth heart is a responsive heart. And clearly we've changed environments. We're in Westwood Gardens Greenhouse. And you can see the difference. You can smell the difference. You can nearly taste the difference of a responsive soil and what it's like. It's totally different. And Whenever you look at the scriptures in verse 8, he says this, that the, the soil was growing up and increasing and yielding. It gives three different markers. It's growing. It's increasing. It's yielding. There should be a quantity, quality aspect to all of our hearts. A more and better disciple that I am becoming. An increasing, a growing, a yielding kind of disciple. But then he even quantifies it even more. He said that some even yielded up to 60, up to 100 fold. When I think about that, I don't live in an agrarian world. I don't live on a farm. I've never really raised any kind of fruits or vegetables. But when I began to research, what was a good yield? And in the times of the Bible, in the typical climate of of that arid culture that they lived in, it was seven to tenfold. Jesus just said up to a hundredfold. He's describing a supernatural soil, a supernatural heart. That's what we want. We don't want a hardened heart. We don't want a shallow heart. We don't want a crowded heart. We want a responsive heart. We're a hundredfold where God can do His greatest, most incredible work. But as we've said all along, that the heart produces what the heart possesses. If your heart is not receptive to the word and the seed of God, it cannot change us. It cannot yield. It cannot produce in us. How does that happen? That doesn't just happen in a vacuum. That doesn't just happen because we will it. You have to go back hundreds of years to a prophet named Ezekiel. And when Ezekiel said, in prophetic words, he said, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. Now just think about that. God had promised hundreds of years through a coming Messiah, Jesus, that He would put a new heart in us. He would put His Spirit in us. And He said, I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. If your heart produces what your heart possesses, you must possess Jesus. You must have a relationship with Him and then He can produce Himself inside of you. He can produce the fruits that He wants to produce in us. Will you give your heart to Jesus today? Will you yield your life to Jesus today? Will you surrender yourself to Jesus today? I pray you will.
1: Hey, uh, good morning, Grace Point Church. My name is Brett Ferguson, and uh, my family and I have been attending here for about seven years. This morning, I have this awesome panel up here with me. We are going to have a uh, small group-type discussion for you, um, with you, hopefully. Um, We want to model something that you can do even at home with your friends, even if it's over text and people in your small group, whatever that looks like, but we want to spend the next few minutes and go deeper into the scripture and the parable that Mike just read from Mark chapter 4 and just taught on. Um, I want to introduce my panel. To my left here is uh, Jay Jones. Jay is a small business owner, owns a food truck, also a fellow Denver Bronco fan. So go Broncos. Can't actually fist bump, <laughs> but that's close enough. All right. Next to Jay is uh, Justin Treywick. Justin uh, works in supply chain at Walmart and uh, is well-dressed today. I love the light blue sweater and, and khaki <laughs> pants, JT. So that Looking looks sharp. good. Looking sharp. And... Uh, <laughs> You also lost the razor this week, so that's good too. Next is uh, Patty, Patty Seal. Patty has been an educator for a long time. She's also very involved in the special needs ministry here at Grace Point. Patty, thanks for coming this morning. And then finally, we have Melissa. Melissa Taylor is a senior at BHS. Uh, Really weird senior year for you, I imagine. Yeah, Yeah, very different. So thanks for joining us this morning. All right, hey, let's start with something light. We want you to uh, participate at home on this one, okay? So if I were to ask you, what are your three, top three quarantine essentials what are three things you can't make it through the quarantine without at your house right now? Feel free to comment uh, on the Facebook feed light of what your three quarantine essentials are. Jay, we'll start with you. Top three quarantine essentials.
2: Uh, Facebook, because we're on it now. Uh, probably cleaning supplies and a low-fiber diet. low-fiber low fiber. diet.
1: <laughs> Got to save that toilet paper, right? <laughs> JT, what about you? Top three.
3: Uh, for me, I would say Wi-Fi or Internet.
1: Yeah. Um, Trail mix. Gotta have a trail mix.
3: And, uh, you know, I'd probably say no razor because first time in 20 years I've been without shaving. So.
1: That's impressive. It looks good on you, man. You ought to keep that around. A little too much gray. (laughs) True that. (laughs) Patty, top Uh, three.
4: My husband, he's a great cook. And um, also my back deck and my phone.
1: All right, got to have that moment of serenity outside <laughs> in the back patio. Hopefully it's covered because it will not stop raining in the middle True. of a quarantine, right?
4: Um, yeah,
5: video chat. There's like five different kinds. You know, like Google Meet, Google Hangouts, Zoom, Snapchat, Discord, lots of video chatting. Do you just um, have
1: all of them going at once? Yes. Just, yeah. <laughs> I just have
5: multiple devices, video chatting with a lot of people. Um, my dogs, two of them, love them, and a family.
1: All right. That's good. At our house, definitely bandwidth is a precious commodity right now. So you got to have the bandwidth. Uh, definitely have to have Disney Plus for sure, because there's a lot of content on there. And since we can't even get outside in the rain, uh, been a lot of Disney Plus. And then the last thing is uh, got to be the snacks. You got to make sure you're uh, well equipped in the pantry right now. So um, that's ours. <laughs> hey, let's move on to the parable that Mike just taught us through. Mark chapter four. I love this parable of the sower and the seeds. Because it's really accessible, right? Jesus explains what it means. It's, it's, it's not super complicated to understand, which is awesome. So let's talk about just at a high level, as you, we've all read this parable this week. We just heard Mike teach on it. What's one thing that just kind of sticks out to you that maybe you hadn't really noticed before? You hadn't really thought about much until this week. Melissa? I
5: think mine's probably like the end where he talks about how, like, he just goes through and reviews everything he says. Um, because it's really easy for me to, like, get distracted or not catch everything that he, like that's being said. And so he, he goes back and he says, listen, this is what I'm saying. Uh, hear it and listen and take it to where you're going.
4: So it's good. That. on those lines too, at the end of the parable, when he says, let those that have ears hear um, and let, let them hear um, the word here. I keep thinking, um, you know, how do I hear? How do I respond? Um, and I also think about the seasons of my life that those soils change, as you were saying, Jay, and um, even doing in the areas of my life things change yeah. uh, how i respond changes that's
1: great we'll come back and talk about the seasons of our life here just in a minute jt anything stick out to you on this yeah one?
3: for me i you know when i first think about the parable jesus was teaching the disciples and they were going out to to share the gospel and i think he was teaching them that not every soul was going to be good soil right there were going to be people that rejected them but that were rejecting christ and with that, I have to reflect on my own life. Just like you said, you know, my good soil is, is my life bearing fruit. So I think it's kind of twofold for me.
1: Yeah, I think that last part was what stuck out to me that I hadn't really thought much about before, which was at the end, he says, look, the good soil yields a crop that's like a hundredfold. And I think sometimes for me in my life, look, I've grown up in church and my family, we're very involved here at this church. And it's easy to kind of go, hey, I, uh, I went to church this Sunday. We did the thing. Um, we, I, I did my Bible study today, check a bunch of boxes and feel like, oh, my so- the soil of my heart must be good. And what Jesus is saying is, Hey, the real proof of that isn't in all your activity and all the things you're doing, but it's in the fruit yeah. that's in your life. Um, Patty, I want to talk to you because we we're, I want to talk about how we identify with each of these types of soil. And we were talking earlier and you said, look, man, that hard soil, you can really resonate with that from a mm-hmm. time in your life. Tell me a little bit about that.
4: Um, as a child, that, that seed was there, but it was taken away um, by circumstances. Life happened, and those circumstances caused deep pain, um, caused fear. Um, had, I had feelings of rejection and betrayal and abandonment, but I didn't turn to God. I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with him. I didn't want to pray to him. I didn't want to hear his name. I didn't want to hear about him. Um, I decided to try to do it all on my own. And that was a disaster because um, I just tried to find happiness and peace in other people, in other things. What what could I do to make myself feel better, to fill that void of pain, um, that emptiness, that insecurity? Um, And my life became destructive. Those patterns just kept happening. And my life was very destructive. I had poor relationships, toxic relationships. Um, I just never could find that peace of heart, soul, and mind. And after 16 years, I was alone. I had 16 years of a hardened heart. Wow.
1: What sticks out to me, and you you had told us that earlier today, is, you know, either when we have a hard heart or sometimes when we encounter other people have a hard heart, I think it's important to remember that that is often a result of a lot of pains and wounds and difficulty that people have gone through. And to have some grace Right, some some mercy for people who we see that are in that situation. It can be a frustrating experience. To, you just want to shake people, like, why can't you see that this is the truth? And sometimes you go, man, the the wounds and the pains of their life are so great. It's just hard for them to to move beyond those things. Talk about how you got out of that moment, uh, that moment, that sixteen years <laughs> of hard heartedness. What what changed for you?
4: Well, um, God kept showing up in my life. Um, he. In people that he placed in my life, I began to see his love in and through them. And that was making a difference. Um, and um, even in, in good circumstances in my life, good things were happening. I was being blessed in many ways. And so even the, the painful situations and circumstances and the good ones, I was, he kept showing up. And, and that just stayed with me. And then four years ago, uh, my mother died. And um, I found her journal and her Bible. And I read her journal and found out she had been praying for me for 40 years to find my way to God wow. and um, you know, power of prayer. And, and then um, her Bible, I started reading it and it started coming alive to me. And then a few months after that, uh, my son brought my husband and I here to Grace Point. We had been out of church for over 15 years and uh, we started coming and we kept coming week after week and my heart just began to soften. It was open and I began to pursue him. And I wanted just desperately to have this relationship with him.
1: Wow, that's I love the story of a mom who prays for her daughter for 40 years. And I, parents, like right now, is an intense parenting moment, right? I mean, I was trying to do fifth grade math this week, and let me tell you something: uh, I was not praying for anybody. I was a, I, I wasn't feeling uh, very spiritual in that moment. Um, but what a story of a parent praying for their kids. For 40 years, man, that's convicting to me to hear. Um, So the next soil that he talks about in the scripture is this idea of a shallow soil that there's there's topsoil, but then there's big rocks underneath. And and we all maybe have this spot in our yard, right, where there's the sea goes in and it looks good maybe in the spring when there's a lot of rain. But as soon as it gets hot and dry and there's not much actual soil there, there's big rocks. It the grass dries up and it withers up and dies can anybody um talk about in this group of of a time in your life where you felt like man i've had that kind i can relate to that i can relate to shallow soil
5: yeah i i think for me um just because of like the habits that i've come up with and the things that i do like for example i think i struggle with feeling really pressured versus like feeling pride so like on the good days i'm like oh yeah i got this like we're good and then on the bad days then it's like i'm not doing enough like this isn't good enough and so then like i'll hear these words i'll hear um about how god is using me for a purpose and it just won't sink in like it won't it won't actually like get down deep enough to like where it's making me feel empowered or making me remember that god is moving in me and it's not about me um So then that seed tends to like just stay there at the surface um, instead of digging down deep into that. Yeah,
1: I think I can relate to this one, too. There's there's just been times in my life for a long time in my life. There were some big rocks just below the surface that I never had the courage to really deal with. And I was more content to just leave them there than to try to dig them up and, and, and move them out. And, and the way that showed itself was then when as soon as things went a little bit sideways, whether it was a high stress time at work or a, at home or whatever it might be, then there were things in my life that came into my life that, that shouldn't have been there. And so, you know, I can really identify with like leaving these big rocks underneath there, leaving the shallow soil and on the surface it might look okay, but underneath there's stuff that's just not right. And I, I think part of what God wants to do, he wants us to have the courage to say like, we got to do some excavation, right? We got to get this stuff out of there and, dig, and get yeah. this, yeah, <laughs> dig down and let it dig down deeper. Um, the third soil that he talked about was crowded soil, and I think this one was one that we all really felt a lot of uh, that we could really resonate with. JT, I'm going to start with you on this one. T- talk about kind of what crowded soil might look like in your life.
3: Yeah, well first I'd tell you, I think I could identify with all three. Times when I've been hard-hearted, yeah. uh, times when I've been shallow, but crowded one is probably one that's most prevailing or the most challenged for me. I'm driven. I'm busy. I can overpack a calendar. Uh, My my wife will jokingly say, you know, she's rallying us all up to go somewhere. You know, we have to leave in 15 minutes that I may respond. Hey, I got time to clean out the garage is I will overpack things. And as I just think about, you know, life, it's family, it's sports, it's church, it's work. You know, you just get um, over busy. And you choke out uh, your you time with God, yeah. and so I definitely have to, that is a yeah. challenge for me,
1: Jay, what about you? I know you had when we were talking earlier some experience where you're like man that that 's me
2: yeah uh, I mean I was raised in, I was raised in church, and so the, the seed was cast then for sure, um, you know I, I tried, and then uh, it was kind of the self doubt that can I do this thing? Can I have a relationship with God and it was almost like no i can 't because of the distraction, so I pursued you know the the pleasures of life. I pursued, you know, uh, lust, I pursued success and things like that, that just, um, the, I was better at quite honestly. And, uh, and and so you get that fulfillment or that at least fleeting happiness from those things. And that's kind of where I, I had spent all of my time achieving, uh, what I thought was, was real, you know, happiness.
1: Yeah. How did that, what was the end result of that? Where did that, where did that path take you?
2: Well, um, you know, throughout the early portions of my life, it was much more, um, you know, surface level. And then once I got into my family, uh, those kind of success driven items would l- lead me to places I shouldn't be. Um, I started to damage my family. Like it was getting to the point where I wasn't going to have a family, uh, if I kept doing what I was doing and I was okay with that quite honestly. So, uh, I had given myself up to the thorns, uh, really. And that's kind of where I'd I was living for a long time. So
1: you're here today. Yep. So I'm assuming you kind of moved beyond that. What? How did God move you past that point of just overcrowded?
2: Well, it, it's, it's crazy. You'll hear people talk about a, a certain event that maybe happened in their life. And, and Patty, you alluded to certain things that, you know, God stayed with you and you found your mom's Bible and, and things like that. Um, it was a really supernatural experience for me. It was weird, honestly, uh, how it happened. It was like I was still moving uh, and embracing the thorns when sort of, uh, Christ, the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, just sort of erupted in my heart, like just broke me uh, down. And and you think of the, the passage Mike talked about in Ezekiel, that's so true for me. I had this heart of stone, and then suddenly this heart of flesh, and it was painful, quite honestly. So for years, um, I was trying to figure out what is happening to me because I began feeling, and we pursued different things secularly but we found grace point here uh and and just in this church body um, the spirit through mike through lessons from the stage through community began just working on us and the family we're now very very tight
1: i I like your story and I, i want to go kind of what patty said earlier was in addition to Jesus kind of sowing the seed in our life, he's also always working on our soil, right? He's also always moving us from from hard to, to better soil in our life. And I think you, you two both have really good experiences that, um, that talk about that. And, and, you know, for any of us who feel like, man, the soil of my heart's not where I want it to be. I think it's a, encouraging to know that Jesus is there working on on that also, um, JT, talk about when when in your life, just, you know, things that have changed that help you get from a crowded space to uh, a better soil spot in your life.
3: Yeah, well, you know, Brett, probably six, eight months ago, went through uh, the early stages of kind of a restructure at work. My job was changing. There was a lot of uncertainty, and I know there's a lot of people in this area that face that, but until you walk through it yourself, it's just, it's super challenging just how to react and what to do, and really before that tell you how good our God is, is you know, months before that, a good friend of mine that lives out of state, been a long time accountability partner, challenged me on what was the structure of my quiet time. And as I kind of reflected on how do I have quiet time and really what are all my times with God, they have become very transactional. I go to church, I do Bible study, even when I do quiet time, it's a transactional where, hey, it has to fit in my calendar. And it really became about me. And he challenged me with this process of setting up kind of a structured quiet time where you read through a chapter of the Bible a day. Then you kind of observe what, what are things that came out of it. How do you apply that? And then you pray through scripture. And it's soaping. And Mike shared it a couple weeks ago even um, um, in his sermon. But through that process, man, I, I changed the way my quiet times are structured. And scripture became alive. I started to have a real relationship with God. And I didn't realize it at the time, but I started reading through Paul's letters. And, you know, if you think about all the things that Paul did, he was stoned. He was beaten. He was, you know, multiple shipwrecks. He was imprisoned in all those times. But, you know, Paul never focused on him. He, you know, he looked at Jesus. And the reality of my life is I'd been looking at me. And through that experience, God helped me stop focusing on me and start focusing on him. And so it helped me through a very challenging season um,
1: work through something I probably would have had much more difficulty working through. Yeah, that's good, man. Thanks for sharing that. You know, I think through, when we talk about this crowd of soil, just to wrap up the discussion on the crowd of soil, Mike said something to the effect of, you know, in America, this is probably one of the most common types of soil in our life, right? There's just so many things constantly vying for root in our heart. And, and I just think of this moment in time that we're in right now, where, you know, we're largely stuck at home, there's not a lot of things to do, there's just a lot of change to our schedule, and I think maybe this is a time for all of us to really take a look at the soil of our heart and say, it's gotten too crowded, and and we're going to clean it out with a little quarantine, <laughs> right? right? And, and we're going to use this as an opportunity to really kind of reset where where my heart is. Um, Last question I want to ask. I want everybody to think about a time when, man, the soil of your heart has been that good soil at the end that Jesus talks about where the word of God goes in and it bears fruit in your life. What were some things that were true about your life then? What is necessary for you and your life to have good soil? Jay, let's go with you. You have a pensive look in your face.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because I have no answer. No. Um, uh, It it is. It's sort of... um, what what happens to me is that when I have good soil in my life, it's when I begin taking risks that are beyond my own boundaries of fear. And so when I step out in faith and I'm afraid of something, then all of a sudden God, I experience him directly. Okay. And so... um What's it's, an
1: example of a risk maybe you've
2: taken? A mission trip or uh, uh, global, global adventures, adventure. we like to say. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but those are those are things. My very first one to India, uh, I was like, you know, I told Randy I'll pray about it, and there was no chance I was praying about that. But I went <laughs> ahead and, and stepped out into that, and it was like this is where I experienced. A God. Correct. This is where I experience God, and so when I find myself in complacency or apathy or routine, then I'm I'm looking for places to step out into into fear okay. and 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 That's have awful. faith.
1: Okay. JC, what about you? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> um,
5: I was gonna say like going off with of, like, the apathy. I think a lot of times whenever I'm in like a crowded soil or shallow soil, I'll get into like apathy for you know the things around me. Like and I and I won't show it, but like I think in my heart I'll have like kind of apathy. Um, And then God, as he's, like, working on my heart, as he's bringing peace over, like, all the things I'm thinking about, he'll just point out, he'll, like, use other people and just be, like, just explaining how they um, have, like, how I've affected their life and how God's moving through me in their lives. Um, It's really impactful because I'm, like, whoa, God is doing so much more than what I see. And that's a a way that he really, like, he he shows me and he reminds me of his heart for me and my heart for others Mm -hmm. and how he uses that. That's
3: awesome. That's awesome. I was going to say time in the word, you know, yeah. just focus time in the word. I, you know, quickly I'll tell you just a little accountability story. So that friend of mine, if there's ever a day when, so we text each other just what we're learning and what we're reading every day. And if there's a day that I'm not in the word, I have to text him and say, hey, today my calendar was really busy. I had a lot of important meetings. I had a lot of things on my agenda and they were all more important than spending time with Jesus. That's a super <laughs> hard text to send at the end of the day. And it's convicting and it's challenging, you know, about how do I get overcrowded and, you know, how do I make the main thing about my relationship with him? So it's for me, it's shifting the focus off me and spending time with him. Yeah,
4: that's good. -hmm. That's a tough text to say. I agree. You know, keeping that focus off of myself and that focus on God and others, that seems to keep that soil fertile. And I mentioned my back deck and I love sitting out there. That's where I spend a lot of time, time with God and either in prayer or reading and you know that it fills me up and the soil just becomes fertile i mean i i i can take what i'm hearing as i said in the beginning and see how am i how am i responding to that in my life am i doing something with what i'm hearing from him
1: um i, th- I think there's a few things that stick out to me from this discussion one is just the time alone with god right and whatever that looks like for you that's that's an essential element to good soil, right? I have to be spending time hearing from God. The other thing that, that Jay and Patty had definitely mentioned and, and we've talked about a little bit this morning is time with other believers. You know, coming to this church and being a part of a biblical community was the key part of both your stories mm-hmm. about um, kind of going from rocky or bad soil to, to healthy, good soil. And I just want to encourage us as a church together. Don't let social distancing becomes spiritual distancing in your life. Mm. It's okay to continue to text your friends about what's going on and continue to engage and check up on people beyond just how are you doing? How's your, you know, how's your internet stream, but also, (laughs) Hey, spiritually, where are you right now? We can't get together. We have a small group that meets at my house, you know, most Sunday nights and, and We're not going to get together tonight. It's a little bit different, but I still want to try to engage with people and say, hey, how are you in this time? Where are you in your relationship with God? This is bringing up so many emotions, so many feelings for people. It's more important than ever that we, uh, we avoid spiritual distancing and we continue to engage in, in people's lives. Hey, Grace Point, thanks for joining us. I hope you enjoyed sitting into our, uh, our quarantine coffee shop up here. Um, this, is, this has been cool, cool discussion. Thanks for joining from, from your home, from your living rooms. We appreciate it. We'll be back next week, similar type format. There'll be a different uh, cast of characters up here going further into talk about it, talking about your heart. But I want to encourage you this week, even in the middle of social distancing, find a way to live sent and be the church. We'll see you next week.